Carrying huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lords. Rain so close. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. I've always taken my health very seriously, but I must admit it's very tough to have a balanced diet every single day, especially when I'm traveling and on the road a lot. Then I found Athletic Greens. I'm so excited to partner with them personally and for this podcast. I actually started taking AG1 long before this partnership even came about. So what is this stuff? Think of AG1 as your all-in-one health insurance. I know I do. I've never been one for taking a million different supplements or vitamins. What a mission. So this is the perfect all-in-one solution. With one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, and helps enhance your focus. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial anything, all while still tasting good. What I find is it's beyond easy to use and that's definitely what I need. All you need to do is mix one scoop of AG1 with water and take it first thing in the morning. After a long flight or travel, it is a must for me too. It's that simple. They also make travel packs which I like to take on the road and to events. I notice a big difference when I include AG1 into my routine. I feel more focused and energized to get my day going. I seem to be more alert as well. Let's all be honest. We all know we don't eat enough vegetables or consume the healthiest meals some of the time, especially when we get busy. We all want something quick and easy which will help us in life. AG1 supports better sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity, and alertness. Now, I don't care what you do. I think we can all agree this is super important. AG1 is trusted by many professional athletes and health experts. To make trying it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash moving the needle. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash moving the needle to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'll link it in the show notes as well. Okay, you ready? Yo. How's it? Hello world. Welcome back. Moving the Needle podcast. I'll be your host, Adrian Yetling. If you are new to the show, welcome. Thanks for downloading. For all those regular listeners, yeah, I love getting the direct messages. I know you've been reaching out to the guests. Yeah, we had some really cool episodes lately. Sven Martin has joined me here. He actually said he downloaded and listened to uh, Hans Ray, Brett Tippy one. So I didn't expect him to listen to all of them. Hey, it's not often I find two people in the industry older than me. So That is true. <laughs> uh, before I got Hans on, I actually didn't really think what his age was. You know, factually, when he said 57, definitely a surprise. But um, yeah, old new listeners, welcome. Sven Martin is a regular on the podcast. We obviously go way back and we thought it, what a great excuse to get together because he's returned from his first big trip of the year. Uh, are we allowed to talk about... Yeah, you released the other personal news on Instagram. The world knows yeah. that you're a father now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we got lots to talk about. So we thought, my... why don't we roll the mics and we'll hit you with a random episode, which will be a bit of EDR, if I've got it correctly. That's the new term for the UCI-sanctioned Enduro. What's the Enduro World Cup? Race, yeah. racing, yeah. But I keep saying EWS and then it's EDR, so it's going to take us some time. It's just Enduro World Cup. Yeah. DHI, 
downhill World Cup, the EDR, Enduro World Cup, XEO, Cross Country World Cup. So it's just the, the letters. But like Enduro has a D in it, but it's like one. Yeah, but downhill doesn't, true, doesn't downhill have an I in it. And Cross Country doesn't have a X, you know, an O in it, XEO, DHI. So they're just designations um, for disciplines. Good. Thanks for the clarity. <laughs> there we go. No, we're off to a quite a boring rocket start here. Uh, yeah, but going back on the Hans Ray, since that's what you just said, uh, he was one of the first guys, because I was local to him, we were both riding with the Laguna Rads, and that's where I started riding bikes. Um, the first ever trail I went down on a mountain bike was Talonix Downhill Trail. And I didn't, that was, I never went down a cross country trail or on a fire road. Literally, the first trail I ever went down in my life was like a pretty steep downhill track oh you don't say you clearly forgot taking me down there yeah, was that with the story I mean, that's just weird like i had no um way to judge how the sport of downhill was because that was my first tra- trail I ever rode so it was um anyway met Hans right there and he was one of the first people to believe in me or give me a, he gave me my first paying mountain bike photo job um Hans Ray did very first one yeah and really pretty much since that day and then Brian Loeb, soon thereafter, I've shot for GT bicycles. Since oh, so that's the connection. 2003 was probably the first photos I ever shot and sold in mountain biking was of Hans Ray. Yep. No shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He... And, and uh, like his podcast, he's a very smart guy and he talks about leveraging stuff. And instead of like doing a photo shoot for one magazine or one GT, we just shot and he just paid me a big flat fee and then he used the photos for like 10 magazines so he GT. back then bought the rights to your images yeah, I was, to yeah, say I i'm going to spread them but yeah, I'll, give me that rate he paid me a good day rate and and he took care of everything else and um i don't know not many people you know especially then you know for 10 15 years there was a reason why he was getting more media than any other uh, mountain biker out there yeah, I mean, it doesn't come from just being famous and luck it came from thinking and working and networking but for the listener, it often works that a company will tell its rider they need images for a certain product. Or a rider might say, let's go do a shoot for X company or X product. And then they'll just ask the photographer for that rate for that company. Yeah. But he said, hang on, let me just pay you what you're worth or what he, you feel is worth. And I'm going to leverage those pictures where I want. Yeah, he was essentially his own production company, yeah. production agency. Um, and now, fast forward uh, 20 Fast forward 20 years, now poor riders are like not getting paid. Photographers are barely getting paid to, they've got to produce content and the teams aren't giving riders money to hire photographers. So it's, it's like a... But <clears throat> I mean, he, he probably summed it up pretty quick. He said outside of racing, he had the pie almost to himself Yeah, with timing, exactly. his thought process on it. But now... And he also said because of the internet, there's more opportunity for people. So then there's more riders part of the pie, and so is photography. How many more photographers are there? Well, there's. I mean, yeah, no, there's and videographers. The the, yeah, but the pie has got bigger, like 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 the industry. But then the. I mean, I used to sell one photo for a thousand dollars, and now I've got to sell a hundred photos for like ten dollars. You know, but you can sell. You used to sell one photo. You know, you used to sell those thousand dollar photos like here and there, but now you're selling like every every day you're delivering like four hundred photos or whatever, or five hundred photos. It's just changed, has it? Remember, we would shoot some stuff. We had no guarantee. Yeah. And then you'd you'd have the slides. Yeah. Which is really quite special to look through. Yeah, but then they could only go to one one magazine or one company or one yeah, thing. Yeah, and then you would 
send it out and hope someone would take it and then you would get paid. And for me, and obviously, it, it was a big bonus if I had learned to put bonuses for magazines, yeah. which I did early on, probably thanks to you. Yeah. Because we were working a bit together. Yeah. And then people would, you would be getting certain sponsors and certain people might not respect what you're getting because you were a racer, but you were doing this work on the side, which I don't think people saw back then. Like for me, people like, oh, he looks, I don't know, you know, in the Clay movie, people were like, oh, now that he won a race, all the showboating in the magazines make sense. Yeah, basically, like, what, you were, shit. what you were doing... I was actually just you hustling first, hard on the no, side. No, you, you were the first content-producing influencer while racing, and, and, you know, that didn't really exist then. So you were ahead of, ahead of time, you know. If Instagram started 10 years earlier, you would have, I would you have, would have been... I would have been have, a bit ahead of the game. Now, that would have been yeah. nice. It's not like tooting my own horn. It's just timing and place. You remember editing that YouTube video at your house in Bend? Yeah. And no. I, I, well, I asked you to help me with Photoshop and I did a logo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I did this, which would now be better than a Bernard Kerr living, what is LSD? Yeah. Which people love. Well, yeah, the funny thing is, like an LSD I just video. If I carried it on, but that's the would Everything's changed. Like, you know, an LSD video that's filmed shitty, edited very quickly and shittily, and Bernard like admits it, but it's up early and up first, and it's a lot of behind the scenes access, you know. That one will get more traction and views than a well-produced, well-edited, well-shot, you know, more serious seven-minute video, like, done professionally. You know, that no one gives a shit about that stuff anymore. They're just Well, because they've to... seen it so much. No, I just... think it's because people just... want to be behind the ropes in the locker room of professional sportsmen. Yeah, well, funny, it's just, it just what... how th It's just a trend in media, and, and especially with moving images, like... A shittily shot, good action that's out immediately will get more traction than a well-produced, like, say, like a reel, you know. Um, it's just it's just weird. Yeah, it's just the way it's morphing. And like Hans said, like, you've got to reinvent yourself, you know, accept the times and, but then, and change with it. You know, as that happens, then it is nice to see a few people like Brandon doing, say, a longer form product project that's not coming out on, like, social media ahead of the main project so you know you mean ebbs, in the ebbs and flows no like you know he's not made it a secret what they're busy with uh, he was trying to yeah, you but just, he, yeah you i'm just trying to make it a secret up. but he keeps dropping hints everywhere and so <laughs> is everyone else <laughs> so spin's dropping a few hints there that's yeah. good a little bit of leaked news definitely goes, so it's good. goes as, as things change they come back around as well so anyway um yeah back back from australia uh Good to finally get out again. You know, October was when we were last at the racing. Also finished with an Enduro World Series and now begun with an Enduro World Cup. So Enduro riders definitely got a bit of a busier, longer season than the downhillers who, you know, they still got to wait till June, so a couple more months. Yeah, they started early in, in theory. Well, they're kind of used to it, right? There's well, often the these one hemisphere, or two Southern Hemisphere races. Which is the beauty, how it's been with the Enduro World Series. It, it has definitely traveled a lot more around the world. It's truly been a more of a World Series than the World Cup has. We've gone to South America. We've, you know, we've gone a lot more places than the World Cup has gone in the last 10 years. And a lot more new venues. <clears throat> and this is the first rebranded, new look Enduro World Cup. So there was some format, quite a few a lot of substantial changes and other minor changes and, and a lot of improvements on some things. And, uh, 
yeah, the, the format's different to last year. Just strictly one day practice, one day race now with an off day in between um, and the pros and cons of that in, at different venues. Um, ew. And then uh, straight on. Yeah, straight on would be a bit better. So this was the first look at that. We can get into those details of, you know, those changes and what, what was good and maybe what wasn't. Um, and also look at the similarities and differences from the, you know, the opening two rounds because there's a lot that happened there. So what was it like getting there? Obviously, anticipation's like the first day of school, getting to a new series. But now there's like a new look. There's the UCI-sanctioned uh, series now, ESO taking over. What was like well, the first impressions maybe well, it always of been those a- recce days and speaking to the riders? It's always been a, a UCI-sanctioned event. UCI have been involved with Enduro for a long time and, and been doing the rules, and we've had commissaires there. Uh, maybe not the first, you know, three or four years, but the last certainly the last four yeah, or five. Fair yeah, fair enough. So th- that really hasn't changed. Um, it's just the organization. Well, the Enduro World Series were always the people that were, um, you know, you have your event organizer and your and – your, um, so that's kind of stayed the same. Yeah. And downhill, it will change. Like downhill, more. it might be a little different feel, but because like it's a whole new Chris crew and ESO running. are the same guys that did EWS, exactly. So, so, so it's there not a shouldn't big, be a lot of difference. Not a big change. More yeah. the more that format changes. Um, and the biggest difference to that is now, we, like I said, we've got a, a strictly one day practice, one day race, which for some venues can work, um, but for me, you know, you go around the world to race. You know, Derby, it's, for instance, it's fine. It's a, it's a good place for a one-day race. There's the right amount of trails for a one-day race. But if you're going to... And you to, what, get enough practice. Yeah, but you if you're going to somewhere like... Well, no, no, it's just more the trails. The whole ethos of the Enduro World Series has always been ride the best trails at each venue. So it's very been... Trails have been at the top of the pyramid. This is the most important thing. And then, and then can the town fit this many people? Is secondary can... Um, is it, you know logistically hard to get to that's always been secondary it's always been trails first and then all the other things you know it's like an upside down pyramid and this year it's you know the the trails the race format is going to be the same regardless of like the trails of the venue format so that's it's it's been kind of thrown a bit upside down but for these opening two rounds it worked because they were both sort of great one-day venue races. Uh, Medina has a few more trails, could have been a two-day venue, but they all feel the same trail-wise. So I think um, for each venue, this worked as one-day venues. And especially for Derby, they have a... and So you got amateurs and, and pros racing on different days. Um, so the what used to be the EWS 100 and EWS 80 is now just essentially the open AM race. Um and because it's a different day, they race the day prior, it's quite nice because on race day, all those people are now like making up the bulk of the spectators. And uh, Yeah, that's wicked, kind of like the old Norba days. Yeah, and the nice thing with these two venues, and this is more dependent on race organizer, but the uh, EDR or um, the organizers are pushing it, they really did a good job of creating like heckle zones or fan zones and getting like, big posters and flyers and well communicated before the event so people knew all right well, this is what we can do either on bike or on foot we're going to go to watch stage one here cut across to stage three there and then there were djs and barbecues and beer tents and like it's pretty crazy being quite far out in the in the woods and and uh you know in the jungle and there's like just crazy the aussies are are 
you know, I guess like every country has their passionate fans and, and like the Aussies are, you know, you have the, all the mullets and the, the clothing and the bogans and everything mixed together and it, it makes for like a really good um, bunch of spectators. And then they had like just full bushdoofs. Aussies are called them bushdoofs. What's a bushdoof? When you're in the bush and you hear doof, doof, doof and that's the bass speaker and they had big long bass, deep, full like DJs with decks. And Is this in Derby? Both both venues, both venues. Hype, hype, like they have the hype man, and they have DJ, and they um, and the Aussies are really good hecklers. They have like there's always some drunk guy that's kind of the ringleader, and he's out. All right, next rider is like the silent heckle, and it's quite like you've literally got a fan. There were like thousands in sections, so it felt like a lot like a downhill race. This was great, and then you have these like riders coming through the field. And there's like this, they just dead silent. And the guy said like, okay, everyone stays silent until they get to this like rock. No way. But like also the rock where they had to start screaming was also where it was like super technical, like blind rock drop. So you dead, dead silent, dead, dead silent. And then suddenly they just started screaming and banging things at the top of their lungs right at the like drop. Imagine being a rider, you'd be like, I'm riding First so you think shit, you're, that's, they're not saying a word. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey? And then there's different heckles, like I think Matt Walker got like sheep, like the people were buying like sheep and more, like, you know, um, Dan Booker, who was one of the locals, got second at the first round. He had like the loudest cheers being the Tasmanian, the highest rank, the fastest Tasmanian, and he built trails at the first venue for four years. Um We'll get back into like local advantage, trail builder, visitors, people that spend some time there. But yeah, a good, successful opening two rounds. And then also what I said about the two-day, um, one-day practice, one-day race. You know, the riders, at the first press conference, I asked the riders, what do you prefer, the old format, two big days of practice, two big days of racing? And, and um, they kind of uniformly agreed on that. Um Mostly because agreed that, on what agreed the that they no they preferred the older format. They and did could, you ask them at the second round? No, I asked them at the first. Oh, before the first they'd round. Yeah, they raced it. Yeah, before they raced it. Okay. Um, and maybe they'll change their mind after this because the second round was weather effect, and they definitely appreciated that rest day um, in the shorter day. But generally, they felt there was less pressure on these bigger days, uh, which means less risk, less injury, that they could get away with making a mistake or not riding a hundred percent because. You know, when you're doing like 10 stages and your race time is like an hour or 40 or 50 minutes versus your race time is, you know, 20 minutes or something, you've got a lot more that you've got to risk on a, on a one-day race and you train different and, and, you know, now you... So anyway, there's there's that. So there is a change of strategy. Definitely. Different rider might do different better, which you're going to get into. Different training. Over time, I would say enduro different... might morph a little bit here i mean it has already yeah um, well you know um the first round showed it has and uh, but you know yeah true. I, I mean look at the times we're not going to get into it right away but yeah like you said these are ladies 33 minutes men 28 minutes and you're saying that these other venues can be double that yeah i mean we've had over our uh, racing at two-day venues but this is you know when you, at least we're getting into the like high 20s and 30s because when you're only having 20 minutes racing, it's like not a huge amount, but these venues gave a good amount of racing and you had lift access plus pedal in Medina and you had purely pedal access in Derby. But what was what I found was pretty interesting and, and cool, um, you couldn't have got two more different riding and racing styles and venues between the two 
Um, but what neither, one wasn't better than the other. Maybe, I'm sure maybe writers had a preference, which they preferred, you know. Or, but for, for us, as, as the quality of trail, what we were writing, um, say, on the media recce, um, they were as fun, you know. And normally, like, kind of gravity-based writers will always go, oh, Medina's better because it's like we're descending more or it's steeper. But um, Derby, being flatter, more pedally, you could almost enjoy more because it's a different kind of racing. You, you weren't on your brakes as much. You could see because the trails are a bit flatter. You There wasn't as much blind stuff. So first run, you could almost hit everything blind because it didn't wasn't blind. Was at only, Derby? Yeah, there's only a, only a few rocks that you had to stop and look behind and can you land there and do, where should I put my wheel? But where Medina, because it's steeper, nearly every little ledge, you couldn't tell if it was a drop or a roll or if there was a rock behind it. And it was... Um, Look quite gnarly. Like some of those oh, yeah. highlight I mean, sections was downhill shit. No, no. Enduro has been way I mean, gnarlier. It always has been. Enduro but has like, always been gnarlier than downhill. The, is, you know, the we, speed you're riding at the type with the bike. Like, we're yeah. riding much more technical stuff, but at slower speeds. You know, Some tracks, yeah. fast speeds. Um, but then what I thought was quite interesting, that Derby, which on paper, or if you're riding a blind for the first time, you know, like we felt good on it, even the media guys because you you could go fast straight away and you could kind of see the doubles and see the gaps, um, and it doesn't feel as much risk because it's not steep, you know. So you can never gain too much speed. But it actually the easier track actually became I think more technical and had more crashes and more race changing things than than Medina because Medina you had to be online and you had to like not make mistakes. But because you could open it up more. In Derby, on the say easier tracks, they became then more difficult, and they had to be very precise. Rock, you know, threading together, lily pad on offs. It, it was weird. It's weird what you think is difficult becomes easy because it's just steep in one line versus flat, you know. And also, it opens up possibilities like triples or on offs on an easier track and higher speeds. So it's quite a brilliant thing, mountain biking, how you can adapt and what's easy can be hard and what's hard can be easy well, and, easy and, to and, ride doesn't mean easy to race exactly it's often harder it's 100 percent harder to race it's and less to kind of get uh one up on your competitor yeah everyone can ride at pretty similar speed so how are you going to win that thing exactly you start pushing and and normally skill like skill only gets you so far on an easy track sam hill can't beat me on an easy track as easy you can smoke me at val de sol yeah. right back in the day yeah so like Times so I'll, 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 I'll get tighter, but then, um, you know, just weird. Just I just always assumed, and the riders would always assume, the steeper and the more vert, the better. Yeah, it's not necessarily the case. It 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 really is. In the, is the trail built well? Does the trail, how the trail was built, did it interpret the local and the natural um, geographics and features, and both. Both trails. It's interesting this whole um, Derby, this whole Tasmania, because we've got you got Glen Jacobs World Trail, which was responsible for building and and doing Derby, and then you had Simon French's uh, Dirt Art Company. So these two guys are two very different people. Both great guys. Um, they they actually trail. So they're both they're both trail builders. You know the, um, that built both these venues. Um, Simon French, the Medina host, he was also the event sort of um, 
He's also the event organizer. It's his land, his trails, and he's the event organizer. Glenn Jacobs was the person. And he's who was, got usage of the land, or when you say he land, owns, what do you mean? he owns and leases the land. Really? So, so, but what I'm trying to say is um, that's cool. You have two different trail builders that are essentially competition, and they've got two different styles of trail building, and two different. You know, um, Simon comes from a more gravity based. Uh, his past, you know, he raced Daniel back in the day, and uh, his trail builders, you know, they all. They're all amazing trailers and all good riders, but you can tell you on diff, a diff, it's built by it has a different personality. But both yeah. trail personalities match their locations. But what I find more interesting, you got Tasmania, um, or you know, and Glenn Jacobs not from Tasmania, but you have these two companies in Australia, and they're probably the two biggest trail building companies. They've done things right. They've done. They're getting these big. And maybe it's because Australia is actually putting so much of governmental money into trail building projects. And the money, the amount of it, what they've injected into the towns of Medina and the surrounds and Derby and the surrounds that have got nothing to do with bicycle trails, that have got to do with economic upliftment and development and turn these like towns into, you know, new growth and life and opportunity for, for you know, they've put the trails in, but now there's so much more growth and opportunity for other people to come build lodging cafes um well they took a town shuttles. that essentially was almost left for dead with boards on the windows both, both towns. to flourish both towns okay so medina's yeah. got that i haven't looked much pretty much medina is, That's is so cool. similar similar very similar story and, and it's it started a few years behind derby but you know um within another couple of years it'll you know, look like Derby also have the four or five cafes and restaurants. And, and so then these races going there certainly helps the marketing because I didn't really know much about Medina and now I'm going to research a bit more and I've watched a bit of it. I'm like, those trails look awesome. Well, it's got the most gra- most vertical out of any trails in all of Australia. Yeah, nine, what, 900? Yeah, no, about 900 that. meters, sh- shuttle right to the top. Shuttle um, to the top? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. And uh, Where is it in Australia? It's about an hour outside of Hobart. So Okay, well, next, so Tas- Tasmania, try again. Tasmania is a little island. No, it's, I know that, but you said, where's Hobart? So well, it's ta- like a well, bigger I'm getting town. there. I'm going, but I'm, Hobart is the big town. But it Tasmania, is in Tasmania as well. Tasmania exists off of Melbourne, southwest, southeast off of Melbourne is an island so it's almost more like New Zealand. It sits got, at the same... Got that part little, about Tasmania okay. for the geography so Hobart's, lesson. Hobart, Hobart's the capital of Tasmania. Thank you. And it's in the south, okay. part, it's in the south part. Shit, uh, so both these things on Tasmania. Yeah, but it's a, they're small islands, so that's a three, three, four-hour drive. No, that's crazy, though. So, How incredible. So it's, it's brilliant. That's the other good thing about having the kind of the Enduro World Series events. They kind of run in blocks. Like, we're going to go all the way to Tasmania. Let's do two events. Last time we did one event in yeah, New Zealand least, and one, exactly. one event. At least something in the southern and, hemisphere and, there. You know, so it, it makes more sense because there's eight rounds of the EWS this year. So these were two of the eight, like a quarter of the races. But teams are essentially spending 30, 40, 40% of their budget, some teams were saying, cost them to come to two events outside of Europe because they have their team setups, their cars, their vehicles. And they don't have to fly like a team of five or ten people and pay for the food and, you know, a couple of two, three weeks. It gets expensive, um, you know. But I also say for the same time, all the Aussies and South Africans and South Americans and Kiwis, we got to spend all that money to get to be based in Europe. So it's about time the rest of those teams can shut up 
and the rest of those riders can shut up. And get to, no, they can you know. shut up about the traveling, but the budget is a serious concern because you fly an yeah, but, uh, Aussie but for, out once or twice yeah. to Europe, it adds a bit to the budget. Yeah, but for a private team, you take a budget, team. Yeah, but a private team, you screwed. Yeah, yeah, but if, you're screwed anyway. Yeah, anyway. So it's good that we have two races, um, but the racing couldn't be more different, similar but different, um, and both were like pretty, pretty sweet, pretty amazing. Well, I mean. If you look at that, which you're going to get into, mm. uh, all props to everyone, right? But if you look at the top four or five there from like the downhill side and then the regulars are Richie and Ed in seventh and eighth at the first round. And then you go, boom, Richie's back at one. Pretty impressive. Okay. Eddie's in the top ten again. But it looks more like an enduro. On the second one. On the second one. Yeah. Look, the one through five. Oh, so, those are the enduro guys. So, But the one through five there are the Aussies, but also the downhillers. So so there we go, exactly. That's quite interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just fact. So every every round, like, you're going to have someone that's going to have more advantage in nearly every round. When you go to Tweed Love, you're going to have, like, Innes Graham did super good. When you go to New Zealand, Windmasters won or won totally, you know, he, yeah. hasn't, he hasn't won another one. Um, when you go to, you know, well, I'll say, when you, so there is because there's so much, advantage. because there's so much vertical at Medina, it's the best place for Aussie downhillers to ride. And they've got downhill tracks there too, not just enduro tracks. Like they've got specific downhill tracks that you ride downhill bikes on. One, okay. of, the, one of the stages was on a downhill track. Yeah. So you've got Troy Brosnan, you've got Conor Fearon, you've got um, Dan Booker, who also comes from downhill, Luke Meyersmith, downhiller. Um, there's all your downhillers. And they make no mistake that, yes, they've ridden all those other trails way more than anybody else. So... To get only two runs on a track, without a doubt, they had more advantage, which is partly why the results are skewed that way more, right? Um, home track advantage. Even though, you know, Dan Booker's the only Tasmanian that, that he built those trails in Medina that he raced on. Um, so he was actually the favorite favorite. And Luke Meyer-Smith, as we saw from the Aussie National Champs, he won that. He's just on fire at the moment. He's like, he's, in, he's the, in prime condition. the he's, new format helps the downhillers stay in the mix more, even if they didn't know the trails. So Yeah, and especially for that one, a little bit less on bike pedaling. Um, more gravity fed. A little bit more gravity fed. So that one, and and the other thing, look at that one. There's three flat pedal riders if you take add uh, the women's on the podium. So you had uh, Morgan Shaw, flat she, pedals. You don't see that every day. Especially in enduro. No, yeah. not in enduro unless you say. And no. Dan Booker, Conifuran. So that's three of the six podium spots in elite. Were They're not even doing that in downhill. We can't get flat pedals back on the podium. <laughs> no, that's well, pretty Sam, cool. Samuel's coming back. We'll, we'll see. We'll we'll get. Yeah, but he we'll won't get admit it. I love it. I no, he did. He did. Oh bullshit! He's like maybe. Oh, I don't know. What do you mean? Anyway, there's some other people doing downhill. But oh, and then the other one. Valley Hole, uh, she's only oh, in yeah, 10. Oh, I saw that was cool. She no, was, she, she was, she won, one she's won, she won two stages. She was, her and Isabeau were 0. 0.04 apart before the second last stage and she had a crash and then, so the last two stages, Valley Hole. So how come fell she the went? Because I'm sure a team's like, God damn it, we've got to go send support, but she's just itching to race. So they didn't want went? to send support, but her coach, Cecile, uh, she has a team that's racing. Um, Cecile Ravenel coaches Valley. Um, Cecile Ravenel is like the greatest modern mountain bike coach of all time. She had she got four rainbow jerseys last year, in one season, four different disciplines. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah, the enduro with Yannick Pontel, Valley downhill, Pauline in short track and marathon, or you know four cross four country, jerseys. wasn't it? Cross country and marathon. 
Yeah, there we go. Um, or was it that dirt, dirt race? Anyway, gravel race. Maybe she won the gravel race. But anyway, four, mar- four medals. So that's so that was another downhiller up there in the Medina Mex Valley. And why did she go? Because she's got, you know, this is part of her training. This is her like training block. Yeah. Pedaling. Keeping sharp. R- keeping sharp, riding tracks blind. Um, and because she's got no racing till June. You know, there, there's other races to do. And the new format is like a bunch of different downhills yeah. in one day. No, it's definitely helpful done at the correct time it's, of year. I just want to clarify when I say the team didn't want her to go or something. So if a team formalizes and they're a downhill team and yeah. they set a budget and then a rider wants to go says, to Crankworks. Oh, but I or... want to go to Crankworks. So I want to go there. It's not because they actually don't want it, they want to support. They're like, where do I pull another 10,000 euro out or 20 or whatever the number is because it wasn't allocated in the budget. Yeah. Sponsors already coughed up the money. Now you've got to go find it somewhere. So that's what I mean. Like, yes, they well, the, would obviously want to race as much as they can, well, but so the, everything within reason. It's just what I meant by well, so the you, team's fault. Well, the thing is, if you see also, if you're a, a supporter rider like Valley, you know, world champion and, and a factory proper, as high up on the factory pyramid as you can go, if you're a sponsor and she does want to do another event, you want to set her up to win. You want to yeah, do it the yeah. best possible yeah, way. So you want to send to. you want to send her. Then you will say, okay, well then we have to send you with a mechanic. We've got to do this. Maybe so, a swan year. So like you know what I mean. So where Valley's like, no, I just want to go hang along, go hang with Cecile and do a race. But like, no, but if you do go, it's what not. What does that look like? So so you can see both sides of the the picture. But yeah, in, in the yeah. end, she, they were happy. She she you know she went. Um, Ideally, she might have wanted to do Crankworks a weekend before in New Zealand and then go there, but um, she went and, and she... No, but this is cool. She Good almost training won the, for as well. And she almost won the first round, which was pretty amazing because that would have... Uh, you know, maybe it's not great for Andira if she had won the first Did she go event. to the second one? She did the second one. She... Like Derby? Yeah, she was doing training. I think she took quite a knock on the, in, on the second or third training run, and then she pulled out of the race and didn't finish the training. Um. But yeah, she she had a blast in the first one and just bummer that she had a big crash, you know. Hurt, but not too bad, you know, because she still did the, the following stage and she rode, you know, later on in, in Derby. But it was it, it's wicked because, yeah, I mean, I can argue I'm a downhill fan, but I'm a mountain bike fan. I love all these guys and, and what they do with a lot of respect. But with no downhill racing, I did follow the EDR more than I ever used to. Yeah. I keep in touch. I watch. I know the guys. Yeah. But this was pretty cool. Like early season racing. Yes, seeing some down on names there maybe attracted me more. But yeah, it was cool. Watch the post show. Um, watch your yeah, so that's, audio zine on Miss Ben Summers. Yeah. So that, and that was the other. So that was cool. That was the other, say, I'd say improvement that, you know, being a new branded series, some of the other changes we saw at these events, besides the format changes and the one day racing, they. Obviously, they obviously read the comments, right? <laughs> because they got slated pretty heavily in the comments with the the quality or the lack of coverage of the enduro racing, which like literally like 90% of those comments I could give a shit about because it's enduro, it doesn't need a live feed, it's not going to have a live feed because it's about the trails and it's been about racing a full day at on a 50 kilometer course like you're not going to get a live so feed. this is the keyboard warriors so so yeah so trying so, to give shit to no, something it's that's been, not it's been realistic like, it's been like that for five no no it's been like that for five oh, years like, past, like yeah. I, I could give a shit about like but the coverage could have been better and these last two events they got the live feed they got the highlights 
you know, like a 20, 30 minute highlight video for the last race. I got it out, you know, like 15, 16 hours after the race. And this was, this was for, you know, it was, they got it out quicker than I got my photos out. So it was pretty impressive to see how quick and how good the last two um, highlights videos were. So I definitely recommend for people to go look at those two highlight videos. Um, and as well as that, they had like constant sort of raw videos coming out during the practice and their Instagram was getting like good views and good cool little clips, reels going out. So if you were following, you know, their Instagram um, and the, you know, and their videos that they put out, definitely a huge improvement from last year in terms of the production quality and quantity from the Enduro World Series. So, uh, so well, and you, good start. you the most credible person, you're in the media and you follow it and you use it to get yeah. data for the next one. People are shitting on the timing, whatever. Like, how bad? Uh, there was, there was so a, like, oh, so, so the, uh, the no, first, this first event, there was a, there a was a generator, no, no, generator, like you, you literally, we riding in the middle of nowhere. I know, but what I'm going to say is a like, generator this, packed up. This isn't a live broadcast, yeah. but then the live timing sucks people in to feel live, but like we're so, we need everything like now, now, now. Like, no, no, it's, it, it, if you can't follow the you, people. I know, but like live timing to me like spoils it. Like what's a live timing going to tell you? When I look at no, it, I, 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 I like to know what's what's happening when I'm not there. Yeah. And but there was there was a, there was one hiccup with the live timing. There was a generator failure in like in one like in the middle of a fucking forest. So there was some live timing went down for a little bit of the day, and only actually only for some people, not for all people. Um, but other than that, well, a uh, good start to the season of racing. Um, yeah. Okay, so to nip the comments in the bud. No, this is like we the comments leading comments, up to the season. Yeah. And and but if, like I've just read a few and it's it's always so negative. They can't say, Oh, they did this better, this fucking still no, sucks. Well the comments They're just like this sucks, this sucks, if this like guys, come on. Well, a lot of those people are enduro haters in the first place. It's like they hate e bike yeah. like you know have your e bike haters and you have your enduro haters, they they weren't were never fans of anyway, so why are they fucking commenting? Why are they even watching? So yeah, but I guess if people do want to watch, go look at those two highlight videos, and there's a bunch of cool raw, like, I don't raw know. clips. I'll honestly view. say I'd rather watch downhill over EWS, EDR, yeah, if I was not, to pick. But, but I like to watch both. You know, they're not on the same days, you know, like, so it doesn't matter. Is, yeah, I don't know. I just don't get the hate out there. But maybe mm. that's me being unrealistic. I mean, I guess it is because that's that's pe- so pe- everyone has a platform. Change. No, everyone has things they can say what they want, and and they no, generally they can. can. Yeah, freedom of speech. Yeah. But if, if you don't want to say something nice and don't say it at all, is oh, another thing. Just, just don't fucking watch it. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. You can turn it off. But shame that okay, so the guys doing so, the looking at the live timing are probably core fans. So then I must just retract yeah. and say, okay, fuck. Okay. You at least give a fuck about looking at live timing means you really want to know what's going on and you can't be at the event in person. Yeah. So yeah, fair enough. I apologize to you. And otherwise. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you always have to voice it. And I'm speaking to myself. Well, you can voice Remember it. Remember my dad's old saying? Uh, everyone's got an arsehole, what? Opinions are like arseholes. Everyone has We one. all have one. Yeah. So it's like, but that's like, you just got to have a thick skin, I guess. I mean, I'm guilty as, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty guilty where I. <laughs> yeah, you're not scared of <laughs> no, I, giving feedback in virtual No, I, I, I can definitely, I should make more constructive criticism than criticism so yeah. so you know if you're gonna and and well exactly like here's what i see is maybe a fault here's a potential solution there's my two cents i'll yep. speak to you tomorrow yep. you don't even have to use it it's like your event 
it's your company. Like, I guess it's it's super easy to just throw criticism. Yeah. Um, and these guys, fuck, they're not there to ruin the sport. They're not there to make a shit event. They're you, all trying. You know what? I'd rather have someone running the World Cup series that rides and races bikes in downhill. And in the last 10 years, we haven't had that from the UCI. So, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, the only other difference they've never done before, they reseeded. Oh, yeah, let's go through some differences yeah. that you've so like noticed. They yeah. reseeded riders for the final stage. Um, that's so cool. you have a kind of more like downhill where the fastest rider went last. So well, That's a positive. That it, sounds awesome. So and definitely in um, Medina, you could see a lot of the last bit of track. You could see them coming down, hitting. Once they left the forest, you could see like a big jump track all the way to the finish line. And there was, they built two sick like kickers. Like this is, they did this better, way better than any downhill finish we've seen in a long time. There was like, like three big jumps on the way to the finish line. And then the finish line kicker had like a, a extra kicker, like a bonus kicker, like way back, you know, like an A line. You can get you know, two lips, basically. Um, and Valley Hall actually did the best whip out of the whole, all like, 140 riders or whatever Valia did the best whip she beat all the dudes that thought they did the best whip um, but Eddie said they should take it one step further and in Daniel just fucking put the finish line before the jump so then you can 100%. boost put the finish line and then put the trick jump it's as simple as that you know like then you, you're not you can race to the finish line idea. break up We've and then you can, along, you can do a backflip you can do a 360 you can do the biggest flip you've ever done I mean you're going to have biggest carnage whip. but it's your choice if you want yeah but you've already finished the race yeah but it's your fault if you get hurt so I don't want anyone to get hurt no but you don't have to do that so like, you can do build the jump well, get someone that can build jumps that's yes. another thing but Aussies do it well like at Threadbow they got like a scrub jump at the finish well it's because it's great the World Cups, the last, doesn't matter what venue you go to, like if you look at Leger World, World Champs track, amazing ven, amazing track, jumps sucked. Liagang, amazing, like it's better now, jumps at the end suck. Get someone like Nico Vink that can have a, you know, oh, 60 you foot, make them safe 60 and, foot and, jump. And and look big, big, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but that's, that's detracting from what we're talking about here. But like why they don't have guys that can build big jumps, building big jumps at World Cups, it's fucking bizarre. That but, was somewhat constructive. You know. I think that was a good idea. You know. And you've given a solution how to do it. Yeah, there we go. You just got to find the money for it. No, just... It, it, anyway. I'm just saying there's red tape. I'm just <laughs> fucking with you. Anyway, so that was the other thing. So you had this reseeded format. Um, maybe there was like a bit long of a break. Like like there was like an extra like 10 minutes waiting for them to come down. That was maybe unnecessary because there was no like live feed to fill that dead air. Um Riders liked it. Was it cool? Adds a bit of pressure to that final stage. Yeah, it, it adds. It adds. I thought ad they did that at Whistler before at the Enduro, didn't they? Wasn't mm, there reseed? No, because they've or always just because everyone's like, had this no, guy's ahead by this much. It was confusing because you had someone that maybe came down. You know, for he started fourth last, but he was leading the whole day, but he still oh, went down fourth last. You so can like, do that. Okay, so there wasn't always a reseed. No, there was never okay. a reseed because the liaison time had to be perfect. So yes. now, you know. Um, I think that's cool. Yeah, and they don't reseed everyone; they just reseed the top twenty. So, like, when are they gonna? Men. When are they gonna race at like a triple or a quad or whatever we call? It? Like, I got a Leo gang. Okay, so this is this Will is this I is my only this only my my only major issue with the new. Oh shit! I've opened up a can of worms. Yeah, you said Leo gang, right? Um, I just made an example. So 
I'm a bit of an event. upset. Like now the ESO does control the racing calendar for both Enduro and Daniel. Look at those guys that we have from Medina. You've got one, two, three, four, five, and women's. You've got like six or seven downhillers that are almost they're in the top 10, but they can't even race the EDR in Leogang because EDR race clashes with downhill practice. So what? It might be on like a Thursday. It's, it's on a Thursday. So like that's not really good for your high-profile best enduro riders in the world to be squished in on a Thursday. You know what? What they're doing at the Chatel? I will say what they're doing at that Chatel event, the yeah. Porte de Soleil, where they've got enduro and downhill on different weekends. That's brilliant because people like Eddie, people like Conor Fearon, people like Dan Booker, Luke Mike Smith, they can race both races. There's more chance that happens. And and look at these guys. What a Wednesday race would look like. These guys are only doing eight races in each series, eight nine races. They can afford. These guys can do sixteen races. You know, make the races in 28 weeks instead of like 24 no, 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 weeks. No, no, fair enough. Know? So I'm hearing that you want to give them more options to say yes to an enduro or other races. I'm, 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 upset, did, so I'm upset that the, the UCI World Cup controls the enduro and the downhill Callan schedule. Yeah. And in this first year, maybe it's just a cost thing, the first year. Like, okay, but hear me out on this. Okay, let's hear it. But I'm upset that no, they, no, that no, they no, can't no, do no. both. No, of course. That is upsetting. However, here's another way to look at it, yeah. not right or wrong. If you did it on Wednesday at Leo Gang. Yeah, the right I, guys I, are going to be cooked. I still think you will not see Troy Bros in there. You no, probably you wouldn't won't. even see Connor. You wouldn't see anywhere. The only one that it maybe benefits is well, Eddie. Eddie and Matt Walker, those guys are used so to. So there's too few of they them might, now, In fact, even, even if you did so, it the weekend before, So it doesn't not. really help. So then there's the other one. Okay, let's put it the weekend before. That stretches out the season. That adds a cost to ESO. So like, I see what you're saying. And I just don't know if it's worth the squeeze to try get a few more downloads in it. My goal for the following seasons. So like, what would a perfect scenario look like? The different weekend. Yeah, why would you want to clash? You, you're fighting with media coverage. You're fighting with, me, like, you have people like Pinkbike or Instagram that are covering these events, you know. You, you're basically marginalizing Enduro for the sake of Daniel. Yeah, what about, so I go to Leo Gang, would like to, probably will. You mean like for a spectator? He's got racing on all spectator, these days. Spectator, well, I'm going to work there, right? Mm -hmm. So... I want to get in as late as possible. Yeah. And I want to leave as early as possible. I've got a family and I'm working there. So if you put it on a different weekend, you're going to stretch out the workload and add to expenses. But if you do it on the Thursday, I'm going to go watch that event. Yeah. For a and then I'm going to work the downhill. For a so we all know, unfortunately, it is a more sideline event than XC and downhill. Well, I don't think it should be. Yeah. So you're saying, how do we boost? I mean, ER. I think for, a, for you're right. For a spectator, he's like, going okay, to cool. watch Enduro I and I was going to go to Leo Gang on Friday and spend the weekend. Now I'm going to go on now Thursday I'm and go, go watch it. Thursday midday and watch the end of the EDR or yeah. Thursday morning. Yeah. And make like a longer week on and make like more of a festival. Yeah, for a spectator, yes, I agree. But, you know, most people are only coming out for the weekends for the spectators. Yeah. And, and these sports have a way bigger audience outside of the spectators, you know, yeah. online. Um so maybe here, so you're saying maybe clumping I, them together is not always the best idea. A few of the standalone zeros could work. Basically, I think this one and the Ludenville one, I don't think you can race Daniel and Enduro. So as a someone like me working, I can't shoot, 
I can't shoot enduro and downhill. Um, On that Thursday. Yeah, I'll be missing yeah. something. Um, anyway, so that's the only, that's my only, which for a whole year, that's not like, for me to only have one criticism, not bad, really. <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to try not swear too much. That's incredible. That's <laughs> effing incredible. We've only got one or two. No, we'll... We, that's fair to be like, could it be different? Are they going to learn? So maybe for Leo- is it worth? But is it worth the squeeze? So we're going to figure out this year what it's like. Yeah. And then I guess you can say, here's a two cents. Also, are there any enduro tracks in Leogang? The only good tracks I've ridden for an enduro have been Dude, we're on, in, they've uh, been illegal hiking tracks or cut tracks off the back of like other tracks. So yeah, that remains Leogang to be seen. Leogang is a base. I wonder where the tracks are. I mean, I don't think Leogang is a place you should have an enduro race. I think it's a great place to go. It's one where it used to be my least favorite because of how tame the course was. But for a working photographer, or work, it's it's one of the most favorite World Cups to go to. It's well, got, to get the shots that you no, get. No, because you don't. You can stay on site. You don't ever get in a car or on a bike. You can walk. The restaurants and hotels are all in that bowl. Oh, you know that's pretty I mean? cool. Yeah. Um, and now with the new Leogang Daniel track, you've got a sick, exciting, um, interesting racetrack as well. It's not just a bi- smooth bike park. Yeah, that'll be interesting, but we don't know. Do they build few purpose sections, courses? I've done projects there. Um, so it depends new, what they're allowed to do. And then that's the thing, if they can in cut Australia, any new trails just for it. That's the thing. No, but, So we're speculating, but um, yeah. Australia, it's quite hard to build single track legally yeah i guess we can't have our cake and eat it too like yeah you'd want some of these guys to carry on for the series but we all know they just came out to race like a troy so yeah valley. Going, they're not going to do the whole series so. so going back to those guys um but then you got guys like reese verner so he was the first say i'm going to call him the first enduro guys in fact the forbidden team their bikes obviously are working. There's not not a lot of benefit in an enduro bike for a high pivot bike, but bike team of the day, team of the race at Medina was the forbidden team. Oh, that team. makes sense. And look look at all the guys up there on the forbiddens. Um, Rhys Werner, I would say he's the first enduro uh, specialist. So he almost like he's the first enduro rider that won Medina. You know, so fourth place. Rider, so oh, that's really amazing cool. ride for Reese Werner, who who has like a cross country background. And I mean, this is only going to help Luke's confidence on that new ride. Yeah, he got he got a bit sick. He got like literally woke up with the flu on Derby race day. So, but his confidence, man, those the yeah, he's so solid and. And this is just hopping in and doing a few because it's early season, like at Troy. Yeah, he did, uh, Luke and his, bro- Luke and his brother. Luke and his brother did a bunch of uh, EWS last year. They were, they were doing full season. They were doing enduro and downhill, um, and uh, the, the giant team were, were like fun bunch of guys, and and they're fitting right in there. Um, like the giant team, kind of used to be a little bit more corporate and boring. I'm gonna say, but in the last. They're like a fun bunch of guys, and the guys are really having a good time. They got, like, they got custom new bikes, new unit, new like kits. They used to kind of have the same looking bikes and same kits for years and years when you know you were a giant. Um, but now it seems like they're encouraging the personalities and they're standing out from the others. They're not on stock bikes, so it's pretty pretty cool to see the giant team definitely has a new look and a new kind of young spirit this year. Dude, that's really cool. Mm. And uh, really, really the younger cool. brother was on the podium as well. Remy Meyer-Smith got second. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at that now. I'm like, shit, that's it's really cool. But it's it's cool for our Donald preview. We can yeah. put him in our, our list. He's 
look, those preseason races, if you win them, they're super good for confidence. And if you don't, there's always a host of excuses that you just force into your mind to so that you don't it doesn't yeah. wear on you. Like a Troy, he's factually not gonna push as hard as a world champs. So it's preseason, you know, like all those sort of things do play a factor. Um but for Luke, it's like, dude, yeah. that's huge for your confidence. That's really cool. And just and new, nice to see. And new team, you know, like it's good to Oh, there's just well, another crazy fast Aussie, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like they it'd be interesting to see if Connor can you maybe use some of this and, Connor, and take it into the downhill season. Well he finished we I mean, a lot from him because he's shown us a lot in the past. Well, look at him last year. He got his best result in a long time in Monsanto. Yeah. So I think changing teams, as you know, like you Well, and he wasn't work, on a downhill bike for how long? You work a bit Harder. Well, he wasn't even really on a downhill bike in Montsenan. It was like a long travel in Europe with, with new links. Um, but, you know, there's that added incentive. Um, Slavina Lukasic on the second race, he said the first race he had so much pressure because it was his first race on the new team. And then he, he said he didn't handle, handle it well. And then the second race, you know, he, really, he, he ended up second to Richie and, and um, also not a bad start on your new team, you know? And then Jack obviously said he wasn't probably, he's not up to full health and it shows like at the gnarly tracks, but that's pretty good for him to get fourth at the, at the Derby. Yeah. Right? He's, he's you definitely know? had he's the not least on firing on all cylinders yet. He's at the least bike time out of all the, the, the normal riders, oh. um, which is not ideal when you're on a new bike to have that training injury, like kind of right when he, when he did. And we saw last year as well, when he was injured in the mid season, how he just paced his way back. Um, and then he was like winning within two races after after injury last year, and then the same thing, you know, real conservative results, um, and then just you know after Derby he must be kind of taking a, a breathing a sigh of relief, you know. He he didn't look. I'm going to honestly say at Medina he didn't look super comfy on the bike yet. Not to say the bike wasn't working, but him and the bike weren't like he was breaking. Standing up, breaking in corners, which we've yeah, never seen. Yeah, yeah, his touch and feel will be off. Touch, he didn't yeah. have the so, bike and, time. Whether and then, he's physically somewhat fit, that's going to take him time to mentally yeah. adjust as well. And then seeing the usual suspects, Jesse, Jack, Mays, um, you know, again, three Kiwis in the top 10, and then Richie back on top. So like, they're like it was derby traditional sort of enduro result. Yeah, that's good for them, like leaving mm. the second one. Like Richie stoked, Jesse will be stoked because he said he... And the, he overrode and had a bit of a crash. And he figured it Martin out again. as well. He's like, okay, cool. And right the only here. the only thing worth mentioning, and I don't know, um, I'm going to speculate here. The Yeti team spent a lot of time in Australia, but not necessarily in Tasmania. But they were in, they were in Tasmania, and they rode both Derby and Medina. So perhaps out of all those regular EWS riders, perhaps we shouldn't be so surprised that it was Bex Richie. And uh, Lukasek, they, I wouldn't say pre-practiced, but for sure they were more familiar with, yeah, I mean, they were they did a race there, Trans-Tasmania, Trans and then they did some other days riding there. So they were definitely more familiar with the trails than the other people. That, well, and that I mean, makes a difference. Make, look at that. I mean, it the, makes sense in the results. Yeah. So well, that's, you know, Richie can still win no, no, when he's no, not no. there. Bex, doesn't take away from Bex's anything. first win, but she's been close a number of times. So this is her first win. Her first win, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And and uh, 
another like interesting thing. What like, else like stood out on the well, ladies for you? Well, the ladies the in the events. in the first race, how Valle and Isabo, they were twenty minutes of racing and they were only point four apart. Um, and then at another stage, also like they'd only changed deficit by another point one. So how different approach on on these wide multi line tracks? Yet you can still be after twenty minutes of racing. And then the same thing the following weekend, Bex and Hattie were. Also, 0 0.3 and 0 0.4 apart. And then Hattie crashed on the last stage. Um, and that was that. Her brakes were down. And, and then Bex gapped her on the last stage. So the fact that there is such tight racing with amongst different girls in, in the, the, you know, there's definitely, you know, five, six, seven girls that can, you know, there's a solid five or six girls. You've got that to can, say ladies. That can ladies that can win a win a race. It's not just automatic that it's going to be Isabeau or someone like that. Like there's there's five potential race winners at every round now, so that's great to see in the women's. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. I think that is my dog trying to get in. Yeah, he knows how to use a door handle. He takes off his daddy smart or <laughs> stubborn. Um, so oh wait, before I forget what. So I got on the plane at 4 a.m. Yeah, please don't forget these inside. Shit, I got on the plane at 4 a.m., left Derby. Oh, no, Just coming back. Com coming back, yeah. Um, flying Hobart, Sydney, Sydney, Johannesburg, Johannesburg, Cape Town. All right. Um, get, get into Johannesburg, and I check the luggage coming, coming down, and I see this, this is like, okay, so I'm, I love geeking out like i want my bike to be the loudest possible even though i'm not the loudest possible and i like i like i like i'm like one of those nerds right so with luggage for traveling the world cup racing like i either i like to find the biggest volume bag that's also the lightest so and if you want a wheeled bag the second lightest bag you can get at 110 liters is the patagonia wheel bag it's the lightest 110 liter, second lightest 110 liter bag. There's a lot of, um, this other one that I've got and I've forgotten the name, but it's not as stable. I uh, like supporting Patagonia. Let's just go with Patagonia. Anyway, and the bag's lost forever. So I have this black, Patag it's actually Anka's bag. I have this black Patagonia bag that I used and then I'm in Johannesburg and the bags come out. And That's good. soft. It's like half soft. Half shell, soft, though. half. Oh, those yeah. are, dude, those are good. Anyway. I've got one. It's pretty, yeah. I always go with that. So. And there's this bag, it's identical to mine, but then I see it's got an orange tag on I'm like, I don't have an orange tag on, right? So this is not my bag. I was like, that's pretty rare. You don't see a lot of those, but this bag, not mine. So then the next bag that comes out, I'm like, well, that's obviously mine because the other one wasn't. There's no chance that there'll be three or four bags. And it, and it had the, the, also had a heavy, like the heavy sticker they stick on. When your bag's over 20, 20 kg, they have to like put the heavy sticker on. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely mine. But now I've, Woken up at 4 a.m. and I've done the 16-hour flight or 4-hour flight and a layover anyway. So I wasn't like, I didn't actually like really look at and the bag. And jet lag to shit. Jet lag to shit. I didn't re really look at the bag. So Is I it just, even the same color? Well, yeah, of course. Yes. I would, I, I I would not have missed that. It could be dark in there. Anyway, black bag, heavy sticker, that's mine for sure. I take it to, to recheck. You have to clear through customs in South Africa, recheck the bag. And I get to Cape Town, grab the bag. Go. You got to Cape Town with yeah. this thing. Then no, I got home with this thing. Oh my god! And then I was only going to open it this morning, but I opened it last night because I wanted to get yeah, want to get my toothbrush. Uh, so, <laughs> I fucking hope you want to get your toothbrush. No, you should no, say no. I've got to spare one at home. Don't no, worry, it's my I do. Normally toothbrush. I do. I do. I don't travel with toothbrushes normally. I leave them where I'm at. Um, anyway, open the bag, 
and there's a set of like skateboard trucks in the bag, and I'm like, I didn't take my skateboard. That's ironic as well. Skateboard trucks. Yeah, and then I open the bag fully, and there's none of my shit in there. And I'm like, I'm first. I'm like, how did this stuff get in my bag? Because I'm still believing that I've got my bag. <laughs> And then literally at the same time. Because you would never take someone else's bag. And then at the same time, literally as I'm zipping this open, Anka's like, Sven, is that your bag? I'm like, like, she didn't know that I'm just busy going through this right now. So I'm like, how do you know I'm, she's with the baby. And, and, and I'm, she's like, someone's WhatsApping me because the bag had her phone number on, like it had her, uh. her, her number on and her email address on. Um, and not my number on. So she um, hasn't seen the tag, doesn't know you're in there with the tr- trucks. Oh, that's hilarious. And and I'm like, oh, funny you mentioned that. So some other lady had basically, she must have been smarter than me because she's in Johannesburg, like going around and around and around. And then she's like, ah, oh, there's a bag that looks just like mine going around and around. So, some, so she, fi- oh, she figured it out. Shit. She wasn't as dumb as me. So someone in Sydney had basically checked on the bag so I had her bag, but she left my bag in Joburg, but eventually came to Cape Town. And where does she live? She lives in Sydney, but she was staying in Cape Town. Oh, lucky. So she was luckily flying to the same place. Okay. And I had her bag. And I eventually get hold of her because she's WhatsApping us, and I'm like, I've got your bag. She's like, oh, well, we left yours in Joburg. In the long story short, my bag, I said, okay, I'm going to sleep because I'm tired and you're far away. So she was like an hour away. So this morning, jet lag to fuck, no sleep. Because now I'm back with the baby, so back to no sleep, which is like editing photos. You just don't sleep. Um, and I get up at seven to be traffic, take her take her bag to Cape Town, drop her bag off at her, at which point I looked at my air tag and now I finally saw that my tag, my bag that was left in Johannesburg had been delivered to Cape Town Airport. Went there. They didn't want to let me go in, so I tried to run backwards up the, you know, like where the people, you know, you've got to be a passenger to go in. But then in Cape Town, it's too long, so they caught me and they'd send me back and then I had to get a piece of paper to go back. And then the SAA baggage claims had closed. Eventually found someone, got my bag back. But anyway, so that was... Is that the first time ever, though? Is the first for you? Well, there's one time we went that's to... That's the first time I grabbed funny. the wrong bag. Yeah. There's, there's a time I went to oversize... It's happened to a friend of mine. In Croatia. As well, like someone took his and he was like, oh, this is the last one. Looks, it's my Looks bag. the same, yeah. So... The other, only other bag-related story in I flew to Sloven, uh, flew to Croatia, but we flew to Zagreb Airport. Went to Oversize to get my bike, um, and grabbed my bike, got on the freeway, drove in about twenty-five minutes from the. I'm about half an hour towards Croatia. I think I already like left Slovenia, and anyway, and then suddenly I don't know what made me. You know when you something just enters your mind. It's like, just I'm driving, 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 and suddenly I just like, I had this visual of my camera bag left on the seat by oversize. And there's my camera bag with like, I don't know, like a lot of stuff and like all my whole years. Yeah, may we not say how much it's worth either. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, I cannot fucking believe this. Spun around the car, like I didn't didn't even want to wait for the next exit because sometimes you could go like 10K. So I just drove through the middle and back freeway. But after your gut feeling, you looked and you're like, yep, it's literally not in the car. Yeah, I, I oh, just God. like pulled over, checked, yeah, no camera bag. I'm like, you idiot. And I knew exactly where it was, like to the <gasps> millimeter. Get back to the airport. But then I came into the airport as if I was in like a car chase. And like I like almost skidded and like parked in like a, not even a loading zone, just looked 
because I was like, I'm right by the sliding doors and I know just past the sliding doors is the luggage area and just past there, I know is my bag. Yeah. So like I slide the car in a, in a nope and in airports, kind of, yeah, now that I think it's kind of a sketchy thing, I like scream in, jump out the car, slam the door, run straight in the thing and I'm running from a car and now there's security, there's like cops and people with guns <laughs> and then as the passenger comes out of leaving the passenger, the sliding door went in. I just ran into that one too. Now I've got the security guard from outside that saw me r- like drive in like a maniac of the car. And now I've got the new security from inside um, seeing me running the wrong way where you're not allowed to go. And then both security, but then I'm running all the way across the baggage hall and to see, and then sure enough, my camera bag's there. But at which point I get my camera bag and both security guards get me. Could that have chased me? And then like, Took a bit of explaining, and um, but then we all worked out, you know, what happened. And the only other airport-related thing is... I once left a freshly, like, one of my nice painted lids, you know, when you travel yeah. hand luggage, and yeah. then you have your helmet yeah, yeah. in a helmet bag. Yeah. And, like, you get to passport control, so I put that down, get the passport out, exited, got my bags, and I was like... Or maybe I was going to a flight, and you change terminals yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I was, like, sinking feeling. Yeah. Oh, I don't have everything with me. Yeah. And I had to go backtrack and, you know, you're not allowed into certain places and it's like, yeah. no, but we stamped this passport or this visa and now you can't go in there and it yeah. was a rigmarole. Yeah, it's a nightmare. I had that. I left a laptop in the back of a plane once in the in the seat. In the seat. Yeah. Did and you get it back? Eventually. I lost one of but those I bribed, like mini I bribed, playstations. I bribed a cleaner with one of those like those big, boo, 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 boo. I bribed a cleaner to go back on, I because I just passed like exactly yeah, like you said like like you couldn't like get back to the back area. Here. Where's your boarding pass? And like, I knew ah. and I wouldn't and I, it would have taken me a long. I might not have got it back. Eventually, I bribed a cleaner that went to the other cleaners that he knew were cleaning the plane, and he went to the office and he just grabbed my computer from Lost and Found and uh, tipped him. The only other airport story I have in Fort William, uh, flying to Lear Gang. I was on Instagram. I, had, I got to the airport early. We we're having coffee. Literally looked at the boarding time. I, I, anyway, I missed the flight. Like the plane just took off with that. No, I didn't actually, it didn't take off. I, I realized that I was missing the flight and I thought I had to board. Anyway, I run up and I see the plane still attached to the, the, the jetway, right? I'm like, okay, this is sweet. They will let me on for sure because it's, it's there. I run to them, like, there's no one except some lady, like, she's busy powering down the computer, and she's like, no, flight's closed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I'm here, don't worry. She says, no, flight's closed. I said, yeah, but I'm here. You, you, I can get on the plane. It's still attached. And then, uh, and she says, no, we can't, once we close the flight, you can't get on. But I'm like, the door is still open. I can see the air stairs standing on and the you're plane. you're definitely not in this tone at the moment, though. At this Back stage, I still was. And then I literally, I could make eye contact with the pilot. He he could see me. So I'm like, hey, I'm coming. Don't worry. I'm just... So she's like, no, the flight's closed. And I was like, okay, whatever. I just walk around her and I run down the jetway. She, she starts screaming. And then some, again, some security guys run. And, and this time they actually tackled me down. <laughs> and the pilot... And the jetway was like perspex, like clear. You're so like, you could have used... Ah, no. The pilot could see this me going around the lady and me getting like tackled, and and he I was like help help. He like, probably thinks she's about to put a bomb on the plane. No, the thing is they like they could have left if they let me on. We could have been taken off thirty seconds later. As it was, they had to offload my luggage because they can't fly. And, you know you can't yeah, 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 if you don't yeah, have yeah, the passenger totally. on the plane, then they're, they're scared it's a bomb. So 
So I'm like, dude, if you let me on, you don't have to offload. It'll save you that 20 minutes. And the whole plane basically they had to wait and offload my luggage. Oh, so you weren't allowed on after all that? No. Just like... No, but and the, the plane didn't leave. For, the plane didn't leave for twenty minutes. They all loaded my luggage, and I think they told the luggage people they're like, "This can try to fuck with our plane," because like they took me forever to get the offloaded luggage, and then I had to buy a new ticket. And funny enough, did it cost you? Now, funny enough, I got it. Funny enough, I got a cheaper ticket that ended up being business class, and I got to Munich Airport earlier. Oh no, I was flying earlier. Yeah, I got to Munich Airport earlier than my flight that i had pre-booked but i just was out money for another air ticket that's amazing but before you run because we've kind of oh, wrapped, on, we haven't really like, no no no. that's why i hope you're not wanting to run yeah yeah no we got we haven't why is sam hill being so cagey about racing downhill we all know he's going to race some downhill like what so he, he was there he's always a man wait okay, so what was he doing so rock truck shram did suspension testing with sam troy troy and um connor at medina at on medina. downhill bikes Great place to test. And he did bikes. it. He did it. He's not. But he's he wasn't, not 100% he wasn't, healthy. He wasn't 100% healthy to race the EWS because he was kind of going to race that. I don't think he's doing a, series, a season of EWS or EDR. Um, but, yeah, I guess, I mean, we saw that he raced in um, at, at the National there. Yeah, but he's like not announcing that he's doing well, a full series or not. And he's just going to like pop in and yeah, do what he not, maybe like, wants to. Which he can. He can do whatever he wants. He's Sam Hill. And also I'm sure how he intended to start the season was also like Jack. It's not ideal to have an injury like right off the bat. Yeah. Because he's... he's um, and he's clearly not doing the full series. So then... Maybe he is. The Daniel starts in June. So maybe he is doing no, the full no, series. No, no, He's clearly not doing a full EDR series yes. potentially this year. Yes. I think if there's a clash... From my understanding, he was going to choose Daniel over EDR. And maybe it's because the EDR is not as cool. He enjoyed those big days. He enjoyed those two days of, of like, you know, he took scalps when he went to La Twille. Like, he just smashed those massive, those races that I thought Samuel could never win, he, he won, you know? Yeah, but he puts yeah. mind to anything, he can and, do it. And that's the thing. I don't think he's put his mind to Enduro the last two seasons, which no, is... I think he's. I think he's... Bored and unmotivated with it, and I think when Which he's not bored and and he is motivated, like I, I think he's still got some some See, racing like the in him. The thing is, like, so he goes to that Aussie one, right? Um, and we don't talk about the clip yet. Oh yeah, the good clip, yeah, the good clip's cool. But yeah. you think he wants to come back to down and go? Oh, I'll dip my toe and get 18th or whatever at Aussie National. And go okay, I got work to do. Then he's gonna like go to a World Cup, like. I have a sneaky feeling like he's gonna he's gonna have to prove something to himself, eh, you know. Like, yeah, I'm gonna come back to downhill, so he's got that motivation of that carrot. Like, can I get back to some sort of form that I feel I'm okay with? Well, we're like, I don't think he's coming to just piss around because he's bored at EDR. No, he doesn't want. But it, it might he take doesn't, him some time, and he it's doesn't like want something to, he wants to work. He doesn't on. want to participate. Like, no. he, he wants to be on the podium. And that's a problem. He wouldn't come Sam. back. He wouldn't come back for shits and giggles yeah. to have fun. And that's a problem being like Sam Hill or Gwyn. Everyone's like, well, why are you not winning? And like, if he comes back, it's like, dude, we used to dominate the sport. You better win again. Yeah. So. Well, it didn't take him long to dominate Enduro. He didn't win right off the bat. So. But he came he, close he, and on he, flat pedals. And then once he got the. Yeah. You need I, I time mean, he, to he, have that sort of fitness. I mean, he did dominate for two years, you yeah, know. So, so. And Richie Rude. Last time he raced down the race was ten years ago. Uh, in a world champion, he beat he beat Loic and Loris. Yeah, well, there's a few. No, of he them. beat Luca and Loris or Loic and Loris. Oh yeah. 
So no, not Luca, not Loic. He beat Loris and Luca. Same as Jack. Like if he got a downhill ride, I think he could have still been in downhill. No, but sorry, like, Richie, Richie is riding downhill. He's staying in Australia to race the Oceana so he can get points, so he can get selected and race world champs. So he wants to race some events again. I think he wants On to. On what bike? Uh, Yeti have a new downhill bike. Have they? Yeah, he raced that um, the last. No, there's a there's a clip. Of him riding in, in Squamish. I'm obviously not allowed to look at other bikes. That's the only reason I don't know. He's on a Daniel prototype Yeti bike that he did a video on in Squamish and he looked very quick on it. Yeah, I think like everyone goes through these cycles, like doing something, even if it's an amazing career like Daniel EDR. It's quite funny calling it that. Yeah. Um, but then again, EWS. You can just call it Enduro. As well. Yeah, I mean, just call it Enduro. Enduro, EDR. Is just more, call it gnarly cross No, but country. like, why do people make fun of EDR? It's in the name, EDR, Enduro. No, it's but better than EWS. DHI, well, it's better than DHI. DHI, downhill, what's it? What does the I stand for? I just call it International. Downhill. You're right, you're right. So I, I mean, just call it downhill. Yeah. So eventually, like, everything gets a bit mundane. So maybe Richie's like, yeah, I love doing Enduro and I'm good at it. But, but I th- like, I've well, got a bit of this itch to scratch. Like, I didn't quite fulfill everything I wanted in downhill. And part of me wishes to see Jack Moore back in a downhill. Because um, I felt at the time... But I don't think Jack... Jack like, like, did he, he want to go to Enduro or was it just like the only no, ride no. there was at the time? So in, I think Enduro, what he had originally said, he's, he's mentioned this, Enduro was going to... He was going to do Enduro, I wouldn't say against his will, but he was going to do Enduro as a, as a... What do you call it? Like a consolation to racing downhill. He wanted to race downhill. He took a consolation contract to race yeah, Enduro. It wasn't but quite after, the right downhill fit. But after that year, he realized he had way more fun at the Enduro, the way the format was, than downhill, because now he actually is more of an Enduro fan than a downhill fan. Yeah, I guess if he wanted to, he could come back. And I don't think he wants but to. he clearly doesn't want to. No. Okay, that, that makes sense. And he's not like, cool. he, he's not like Eddie and Matt that can bounce between the two and, and are happy to just like, he wants to just, Focus on one and, and be the best. Well, and win. it'd be super hard to win both. Like, I don't know. I'd love to see someone do it, but I think that'll take a pretty special human. And you Eddie's able to the, bounce, mean, but no offense, he's not winning the downhill, and then he's doing incredible at the enduro. Yeah, but, he's, but if he really just only did enduro, yeah, could he do a little bit better? Uh, I, I think, yeah, but it maybe he, he's doing what, what's fun, what he wants to do. No, yeah. there's nothing wrong but with But I think, could Eddie do better if he just did downhill? Just, he could, his enduro could probably, no, because for Eddie, his downhill makes his enduro better and his. True, and, yeah, he's like a special so he, person yeah. on that. Yeah, so there's only one Eddie. Um, yeah, and we need the Eddies and we need the Bernard Kerr's, we yeah. need Loix and we need the Jacks. It's cool, huh? Yeah. So where is there any other Goss? Things that like came to mind um, before we take another lull in the race series. Although the you going to the test event? Uh, there is. We allowed to talk about the test event. I mean, there is a test event. I'm, I don't know if they're having they having timed runs. I don't think they're having a, a race. The the test event they had for cross country was piggybacked on an existing cross country event. Yeah, I did hear there might not be timing. Uh, like a race. There, there so will just be like runs no there will be timing because the, they want to test all the sectors and the, and the splits is and stuff the way it's going to be marked and they and I think in the cross country they had different sections were marked differently so they won't just test one new style of marking perhaps they will test more than one yeah um, I I'm not sure what the objective and goals for the test event are there will there will be a number there will be yeah. split times there will be 
cameras. There will be, you know, there'll Probably be testing their, their, bro- their broadcast, their broadcast team, their production team. The I heard tape. good things about the XC one, by the way. I spoke to well, Benno w- that uh, manages. Yeah, but like it wasn't existing. It was an existing race. It was no, run. I, yeah, I know, but I think he was talking broadcast. He had like a lot of good things to say. Remember, we've been going off comments and yeah. hypotheticals, and he was like, it's, it was a lot of positives. Yep. Well, um, that's good to see. Um, so the yeah, so there's a, a 20th or so of in Lord a downhill test event. The following weekend, people are doing. Excuse us if we weren't meant to say any of that. Then we weren't told to keep our mouth shut. Then there's like a Fox are doing testing with their riders in like Portugal, and I think Rock Sharks are doing testing with their riders in in Italy or San Remo. And then the following weekend, so this is two weekends after the test event. There will be essentially the biggest race, the second biggest race of the year will be the BDS in Fort William. So Fort William's World Champs, obviously. And I hate that there's a race there before, especially in a World Champs here. Uh, well, Fuck I mean, there was, look, there was... The, but that's my they, opinion, They've like always had arsehole. the BDS. Last year they had the BDS and a ton of riders were there before the World Cup. No, I know they the always World do. And that's now, just my two cents. I, I know. Especially it's a, in a World it, Champs here. Just but then if you're only racing in June, why would you not go? You know what I mean? Give the guys some races to do, then they won't do these silly races. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, not a silly race. A BDS, BDS. So that'll be big. You know, it's big. So that will be it's very Jackson big. Jackson Goldstone. Are yeah, we, but this is an this it? is an enduro podcast. He wasn't there. Let's forget about hey. Jackson. I'm just saying we're teasing our next podcast, which could be the downhill review preview podcast. Yes, Jackson yeah. Goldstone. Yes. I know it's a lot different when it's a World Cup. He is going so quick you, and he's won his first So do you reckon he's races. going to win? Do you think he's going to win the first World Cup of the year? No, I'm not saying that. I'm going to stand by. I'm a huge fan. Things will still be different. Why not Jordan Williams? He, Jordan was beating Jackson at the end of the year and he had a him better was, overall time well. in the scratch. But Jackson's showing himself that he can just quickly jump to elite race, even though it's not a huge, huge race. This is an, We're perform. not going to talk about Daniel. Is this an enduro podcast? I could give a fuck about Jackson Goldstone. <laughs> Uh, hopefully he listened to that. He knows I'm kidding. Oh man! You know, the, you know what's cool about the reason actually, we actually, talk, talk shit about, is so let, people let, can. Uh, let's talk about Jackson Goldstone. You know what's pretty cool? He will like message me like where are you at? Like before every run, he's like where are you at? Because then he will like, oh, you there? I'll throw a big whip. And this is like, oh, you get it's kind of your run before race, or this is your quality run. He's like, you don't need to look good for me in qualities. I'll just take a photo of how you look. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's just qualities. We'll throw a whip. It's pretty cool. Like he's like. He's so aware of everything, and he wants to look good in photos and videos. So he like messages Seeger and I like, "Hey, where are you guys on track? Because he'll look extra good there." He's and he's annoyingly fast. talented. He's annoyingly and good, good at everything. on a bike. And he's there's qu- like Queenstown dirt jump things. And he's Cade ma- as well. I mean, and like, he's mature. Yeah, Cade. That, you just Cade's- look at like my Instagram direct messages from my brother when it's when those all those people are riding. I'd say Cade is probably the best overall rider in the world. I would say Kate Edwards. Well, after he's, this, after uh, this year, is there any other is there any other racer wrong. that that Kate could win Rampage, could do slope style and definitely does speed and style, and could like he's Daniel Junior World Champ. But now you've got to say he could do an uh, enduro because this is an enduro podcast in your words. Okay, well you got us off the subject of enduro onto Jackson. Like, do you think? Who do you think's a better? Who do you think? Who do you vote as your? Best overall mountain bike kick, would you be Kate Edwards or Jackson Goldstone? Who do you think? I think Kate Edwards because he's got like Nardog 
street style will like kill himself on a downhill race and slope stuff. But Jackson could probably do all of that too. And he could do good at Rampage. Like Thomas Lemoyne, one of the best, but not in downhill racing. But Jackson and Cade, I would say Cade. He's a bit more tech than Jackson. Is What's the, the criteria? The best mountain biker in the world. Who is it? I mean, that's difficult because then you might have to throw Semenik in there and then you've got... I like, don't think Semenik... Well, Semenik style. Like, no, no. You've got to set some sort of criteria. The best mountain biker. Like, is okay, that well, bike let's, handling? Let's, let's, let's take that cross country. Is can do the most events? Let's take cross country out of the equation. Who do you think is the best well-rounded gravity mountain biker in the world? And because Semenik's maybe a bit off the pace on downhill World Cup speed, I would say... But you see, that's where Jackson's better than Cade because he's maybe quicker, but not proven yet in the leads. I'd say Cade is best mountain biker in the world. I think that could... Oh, that's tough. Who would you say? Is it between Cade and Jackson or is it someone else? Because Loic and Armory, they're not doing what those kids can do on so all the tricks. The, the question is... And Seminex definitely up there for sure. No, they all... Like, it's, it's, Thomas uh, Lemoyne, it's subjective. Thomas Lemoyne, best crankworks athlete for sure. Yeah, but... The most all-rounded, multifaceted. Yeah, we're taking cross country. Let's taking cross country and marathon out of it. Bernard Kirk's up there is one of them. Brennan up there, but like, you know, no, Bernard, like Brennan Jackson don't, don't have arg- the tech skills so of Cade and Jackson. Jackson. As an example, Jackson, we're arguing could start winning races at elite level. Yeah, it could it could, could easily happen. But could he win a slope slide? Could he win a rampage? He could, he could probably. Slopestyle's got. I haven't seen his bag of tricks. He did that Audi Audi nice. He's got. I think he's got a smaller a bag lot, than Cade. Yeah, smaller, but not by much. He just doesn't always show it. Yeah, but look at, that, look at that. Look at that twenty inch. Yeah, but look at that twenty inch stuff that Cade can do in on a. Like, but then a, park. could do better at a slope style. Yeah. Still top ten at a World Cup. And beat him in speed and style. And if we got him to focus and he maybe listened to me, a little bit and calmed down yeah. you get a podium at a world cup yeah okay. I mean, i'm always like hey dude in, back in, it down there's a couple of races back it down to a mild panic there's a couple get of, to the race and then hang it up there's been a couple of races where Cade has looked like the fastest trick guy by a lot like i'm thinking um Maribor last year but then by come race day it, it like it, it just fucked out but um there was times when he looked faster than reese faster than charlie faster than um loris and that's yeah, a big, like big call. Fastest all round competitive mountain biker. Is it Kate Edwards? Got to put that in. Uh, well, be. have the readers, have your listeners vote on that one? Well, I, yeah, exactly. Podcast question. The real teasers, can I get them uh, to vote? Answer, answer in the comments. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, is there somebody we're forgetting? Always going to be someone forgetting, yeah. so I apologize. Back in the old school days, it would be like Nathan Rennie and Cedric Garcia, Greg Menard. They could do yeah. like the flips and stuff and slalom and, and everything. But I think, yeah, and then Brendan obviously came yeah. in and coined this free racer thing, right? R- Rennie, R- then, Rennie, Rennie, Rennie for sure was the first best all-round bike handler. He is still by far one of the most incredible persons. How did we people, talk about Rennie on an EDR, on an EDR podcast? Because what else is that, different? Because he's that incredible on a bike. Yeah, really. Always will be in my eyes. The shit I he, saw him do in front of my eyes, people would not believe. And he started the whole King of the Pits. He was like yeah. before anybody else. So now you've got this new school thing that uh, kids can race at an early age and then doing whips and a backflip. Now it's double flips and 360 bar spins. That's mm. like what they can do. Combos, right? combos. Yeah, anyway. Um, what else? Uh, shit. Uh, back to the EDR. No, nah, I think let's put a bow in it. I think okay. 
the biggest differences and, and showed in the results, as you mentioned, four kilometer track in Medina with 800 meters of descent, four kilometer track, two, 200 meters of descent, different riders, different results. That can sum it yeah, up. Yeah, sum it but up. But great, great early, great start to the season, I would say, from both the racing standpoint, from an EDR delivering an event standpoint. Uh, the other thing, like we talked about, their, their finish bowls looked more professional and um, and this is not even with their own uh, logistics stuff. So I think they've elevated to changing the reseed and I think they've elevated how an EDR Enduro World Cup looks based compared to last year. Um, I would say it's a definite improvement there. Um and, did, their, and their video production and all the highlight and videos how are, did are great. You, how did you survive? Because you were too busy for me to drop off your Athletic Grands AG1 travel packs. I ordered You're some. a big fan, huh? So I had... I'm, su- I'm not surprised okay. at how many people I know directly that I thought wouldn't jump on the health kick or support it, but no. you were researching it before I launched the, so we have pretty the unhealth- news of the partnership. Like all you guys that have pro, are pro athletes at the World, World Cup races, you guys... Your body is your temple. You've got to eat healthy because you're training and you what you're putting in and getting out and you have saunas and you have dietitians, nutritionists. Us media guys, we have none of that. We literally are drinking beer, coffee, pizza, burger. And we did that for 10 years. I did that for 10 years. End of last year or during last year, I kind of got sick, didn't know what's wrong with me. Obviously, I'm married to Anka who's very healthy and she's like, you know, holistically at home we're eating healthy but on the road sometimes you're like you're like switching you're having a beer then a coffee the beer then a coffee and it just doesn't work but then you're eating crap as well so last year i was kind of getting sick and trying to figure out what's wrong am i got a new late allergy and what's going on with me eventually i had my gall bladder taken out um that was i had gallstones and that can go quite bad but it's also a fairly common surgery and you can be fine without it but I do have. I did have to look into lifestyle change and eating healthily. Is one thing you can control that, but then there's a lot of things. I'm a vegetarian. There's a lot of things you miss in your diet, or also when you're traveling, you can't get. I'm not into taking like, you know, a lot of people can have a supplement for this. You get your B12 there. You get your magnesium there. You get you know um, vitamin D here, but it's a kind of a pain in the ass if you don't have a. You don't a. You don't have time and. And the other thing, and then one me, of them runs out. You know. Besides, like supplements, supplements are always a bit kind of vitamin based. But there's, I was looking into like gut health, really, which is, which is, you know, I'm getting older and I want to, I'm having a kid. I want to be a young, healthy dad. So I want to yeah, like yeah. lose weight. So all these things are like, I've basically been researching the last year, you know, not researching because everyone knows, you know, just eat less and exercise more. It's easier said than done when you're traveling. The last time we're traveling. But then besides, you know, removing the obvious, getting rid of fried, big, lot of fried foods and a lot of high, like, you know, cut down on my dairy intake or whatever, what could I do to get healthier? And it came down to, like, obviously I heard these athletic greens and they supported a bunch of different podcasts. I listened to some skateboarding and surfing podcasts and they've been sponsors of those. <clears throat> and one of the surfing podcasts is quite, a mindful podcast and these guys wouldn't have taken a sponsor from anyone. It's not like they're doing manscapes, fucking ball shaving product placements in their podcast. They were doing like athletic grades. You get, have you, have you, have you they had have, that? They've have they hit they you up? Fucking manscapes. But I'm anyway. not going to support something. No, but that's, if you, shave your ball, if you shave your balls and manscapes, perfect one for you. 
Not not bad. I do like their marketing. Okay. But anyway, like, let, Athletic might, Greens though. Athletic let Greens. them support the podcast. But so I'm like, let me look into this Athletic Greens people are talking about. And sure enough, it literally hit all the things I needed and a bunch of there's other things that I uncle through yoga. You want to hear? It? Like, well, you want to hear it? Well, like all the little like the like, things like the, all the adaptogens. I don't vitamins, need minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and it's, adaptogens. It's the pro. It's the adaptogens and the, the probiotics, which right. is the adaptogens and the probiotics, which were actually. All the other supplements you can get, you uh, you know, you can know how to get what vitamins, but to get it all in one and just have it in the morning. And they source from whole foods source ingredients, which means yeah. no artificial shitty chemicals and stuff, which you are aware of. Yeah. But um, yeah, I wanted to ask your opinion because it's really cool when friends, okay, I'll sign up. But I'm like, are you doing that to support just me or you're taking your health seriously? And a lot of them, like you, are, are telling me these stories. Well, we began my journey. And I'm my noticing mom... like... And please carry on. I'm just noticing, yeah. like, even when I take it, I've got a little bit more focus in the morning. Like, not all of it is placebo because this is like a health insurance thing. You're going to reap the rewards in the long run. Yeah. You, uh, you know, it's not only short term. I, I can't tell if I'm feeling better um, than when I'm not taking it. But I have been surfing, like, five-hour surfs four days a week and not getting as tired i've lost like nine ten kilograms but that's like a lot of things could be contributing to me feeling better um but with taking so much food out i'm putting better food in so well um, that's a cool like overview of like how important what you put in your body is right? well i mean my mom died of stomach cancer and obviously these things are hereditary so i'm like what i need to you know i need to really treat my body better and and how can i do that yeah. So, so no, I appreciate uh, you sharing and being open to, and I've also had and athletic greens. I bought like you know it's it's expensive stuff, but it's also only the price of like a, a coffee a day. I know, it, like like it's going to a coffee yeah. shop coffee. It's, like, it's not cheap, but then if you think you you know three three dollars a day times that's a hundred dollars a month it's like oh that's a lot of money that's a thousand dollars a year. Well, eighty dollars a month, but yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's well, it depends not, what country, but let's. But that's like a coffee a day. A it's only a coffee it's, a day. It's not, it's not free. It's a beer a day. And and you know, you buy a beer, like I don't these are don't But how much do you spend on car So what I'm saying it's not insurance. it's not actually expensive. It yeah. seems like it's expensive. Yeah, if you look at the value and the potential long run, but they do support the podcast. So open disclosure. You heard the ad read in the beginning, but I wanted to give some more like first hand experience of a friend uh. because I heard about it a long time. I'd used it on and off before. Yeah. And then I was like I only want to give you guys something that I trust. So I'm going to trust yeah. a health thing. It's AG1. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. Yeah, I did enough research and um, there's a lot of them out there and, and this one's just got everything. No, we, I appreciate that. Let's not bore you too it, much. I throw it in a smoothie sometimes and other times just in, in a glass of water. Yeah. yeah. But um, as they are a supporter, if you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash moving the needle, again, it's pretty easy, athleticgreens.com forward slash moving the needle, do your own research. Like Sven said, he researched them all. You don't even have to use ours. Our code, Athletic Greens, I think just take your health a little bit more seriously. But I'll link it in the show notes. And uh, while we wrap this up, Sven, that was epic. Lord, that was fun. Try to see oh, this I... is the best. I never get to end these podcasts with Sven. I'm just trying to see if we, if we missed anything here. But add a note because we're going to do it in the next podcast. Um, so Sven's still in South Africa. Are there any other downside to the EDR? Um which there were some criticisms from some races. I don't think there's a super clear path 
to, you know, we had all the qualifier events in the past. I don't think there's a super clear path of how you get points to race in the main events because they've reduced the field of the main events, which is which is good because the race day is a bit more professional and you have a separate AM race. But I don't know how clear, or maybe it's clear now, but there's a kind of a, there's a sort of time period now with the new rule change and the new series starting how to get onto the series if you're like a new rider or an up-and-coming rider. Uh, I know right now, like if you won the Medina race or your top three, you could race in the Derby race in the pros, so if you won the Ham race. But for people that like did all the qualifier events last year or the, leading up to this, it's like quite frustrating because there's no clear path for them to race the thing. So, so the other smaller series haven't been announced or they're not there as much I'm anymore? Just the old route of doing qualifiers and then getting X amount, I think it's similar but different they've they've changed when those points are valid from until from this new year so so this first year is quite tough if you want to race and you aren't already don't already have the points or don't aren't already an enduro world series racer in pro like it's hard to become one this year i think maybe next time right yeah i don't know so like i said it's not clear to me i'm no, not i'm enough. not um it wasn't clear to a few people but um there we go awesome well sven's always uh, absolute blast to have on the podcast and last time you sent in listener questions so I like to sneak Sven back when we do it with Miles so keep those coming any questions to Sven myself or Miles about any topic we'll try help you get that knowledge and then last thing please follow the show and then you're not going to miss an episode and if you enjoyed it leave a review I love getting those so till the next one peace so this yeah so we, we gave them the question this time who is the best overall gravity True. there you go America. so yeah. and, and, remember, and, and it's not just Cade or Jackson like if there's somebody you think is the best yeah so tell us why I will do my best to put a clip up or it's already up so go comment on my Instagram um, that's one way um, otherwise we see you in the comments enjoy the ride out there Shout out to Scott Sports, a longtime partner of mine and supporter of the podcast for making this episode possible. Obviously, as a sponsored athlete, I only have good things to say about the product. But if there's one product I'd push regardless, it would be the Scott Stego Plus helmet. I spent a lot of time on many different bikes, from riding trail to enduro to the occasional XC rip. What's cool is having a helmet that works in all those situations. And for me, the Scott Stego Plus is just that fit is great looks super good and keeps me safe on the variety of terrain that i do ride